Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Well, here we are. I'm trying desperately not to use the word agog, but that's what pops into my mind every it. time we start. Used it. Well, well, I've used it. You're not using it. Yes, too late, as you say. Too late. Well, as I am agog, what are you going to be talking about this week? Well, first of all, I'm going to talk about Norwood Park in Somerset, uh, which okay. was recently deprived of its uh, broadband entirely mm-hmm. by uh, 5G conspiracists who destroyed the broadband box. Why do they destroy the broadband box? I hear you ask. I didn't hear you ask, so I asked it Well, no, I was about to. I was just a bit slower than you were. It's because it was labelled 5 gigahertz. Oh. And they read as far as the 5G at the beginning, assumed it was a 5G box, and then destroyed it. Well, uh, apart from the fact that, that even destroying a 5G box makes no sense to you and me, who are rational yes. human beings, um, that is just... I mean, not idiotic, but idiotic and stupid at the same time. It is idiotic and stupid, <laughs> as you just say. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awful. I mean, I mean while we're talking about broadband, though, I, I confess that had I known what was going to happen last March, everybody's going to be working from home, I would have expected far greater outages of broadband. But, I mean, in the same way that you know, we're congratulating all the supermarkets actually managing to continue to supply food to everybody, we ought to really congratulate all the broadband companies because as far as i'm aware broadband has worked pretty well for the last year and a bit um, it really has well i'm touching wood now as we speak of course (laughs) because we're we're doing this by broadband and i really don't want it to to fail in the middle because as uh, regular listeners will remember of course you had an amazon package delivered in the middle last year nicely timed off just talking about how you were relying on amazon and how people felt guilty about it exactly Yes. Exactly. Yes. Well, what, what are you feeling guilty about now? Well, I'm not going to feel guilty. I'm going to talk about bandages. So you have a wound, right. you put a bandage on it. Yeah, I do. But yes. what's going on underneath the bandage? Well, in order to see what's going on underneath the bandage, you have to take the bandage off. And mm-hmm. of course, if you've got a, a bad wound, then taking the bandage off can itself do some damage. Yes. No longer, thanks to our old friends, carbon nanotubes. One of these days, I must find out what carbon nanotubes are, but they sound fantastic. Right. I certainly want some. What they've done is these people at the University of Rhode Island have put carbon nanotubes inside the polymer fibres that mm-hmm. make up the bandage. Now, right. uh, white infected blood cells uh, produce hydrogen peroxide. And the hydrogen peroxide makes the bandages, well, the nanotubes in the bandages, fluoresce a different colour. So what when people they use to, right to light, dye their hair? Uh, um, yes, I suppose it is hydrogen peroxide. Some kind of peroxide, yes. I think it was sort of peroxide blondes in the sort of 20s yes. and 30s. Yes, that's strange. That's right. Okay. Hmm. So you can tell if a bandage is infected just by shining a light on it, and you can see what colour it turns. Now, I have to stress, you won't be able to get these in boots anytime soon, because their next step is to test it in Petri dishes before going on to test it on mice. So they're quite a long way from making it work, but it's a good idea. It it does sound rather intriguing, I confess. Yes. And while we're on the subject of medical gadgetry, Um, 30,000 people in the UK each year suffer a stroke, Mm. and one indicator of a stroke is an irregular heartbeat. 
But the trouble is, how do you know when you have an irregular heartbeat? Well, the way to test it is to uh, grip a heartbeat tester for several seconds, and then it'll tell you if you have an irregular heartbeat. But of course, people don't go around gripping um, heartbeat testers. What they do go around gripping is supermarket trolley handles. Right. There is this idea from John Moore's University of putting sensors in the handles that will test your heartbeat as you're pushing it around around your local supermarket. Of course, if you find that your the yogurt has moved where you usually find it to some of the other side of the store, it's likely to make (laughs) your heartbeat go a little bit faster, but maybe not irregularly. So anyway, are they saying you're about to have an imminent stroke? Because you then have trouble, you know, getting through the checkout saying, I've got a can I go first in the queue? I'm about to have a stroke. Or else I, you just leave your shopping. Because um, if you have a stroke, it's important to get to the hospital pretty darn quickly. It is. No, this isn't, uh, this isn't uh, an imminent stroke, but it's just the, oh. uh, a possible indicator. You should go and see your doctor. Anyway, they're trialling it at the Sainsbury's in, uh, in Rice Lane in Liverpool. So right. if you happen to live in Liverpool, which I know you don't, but other people listening might do, mm-hmm. then get down to Sainsbury's, push your trolley around, I don't know how it tells you if you're going to have a stroke. I'm not sure why I really yes. want something to be told to me in Sainsbury's <laughs> by a shopping trolley. <laughs> well, you can imagine them extending it to all manner of things. Oh, you better put those be- better put those beans back. No processed food's not very good for you. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, well, I mean, we've had three items, so probably we should uh, we should have one of these. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After that excitement, what now? We're on to batteries. And we talk about batteries quite a lot, but then, of course, batteries do do power most of the gadgets that we end up both talking about and indeed using. Mm. And here's uh, an interesting one from an Australian company called the Graphene Manufacturing Group, which is an aluminium-ion battery. Now, we're all used to lithium-ion batteries, but aluminium-ion batteries are 10 times faster to charge which is uh, really good. They last much longer and they don't need any any cooling. Um, so it means you could charge your phone fully in up to uh, five minutes, Ooh. which is very impressive. Ooh. Now, of course, the biggest opportunity for these would be in cars where you really want fast mm, charging. Yes, but, yes, yes. but the problem is delivering all that power quickly enough. So a... A Tesla supercharger uh, will charge your car at up to 250 kilowatt hours. So that is amazingly high power. What they can't do is charge it 10 times faster than that because they simply can't get the power in order to do it. So it may be a while before the infrastructure cuts up, uh, catches up with it. But certainly, as far as phones go, we'll be able to charge them faster. And unlike lithium batteries, they don't explode, which is a very mm. good thing. Well, that's always handy. Yes, yes. Mine, of it course, is. being a rather old phone, does run down rather quickly as well. I need to get the battery replaced at some stage. Um, you talked about the in- oh. infrastructure. I, when I was walking um, around the other day, I noticed in a neighbouring street, there was a sort of weird thing on the lamppost with a little blue light. And all the lampposts in the street now have charge points for cars. Ah, that's very good, isn't it? Yeah, extraordinary. I didn't quite yes, realise. No, I mean, there. Still, there are still fewer lampposts than there are cars, but it's still quite interesting. 
Uh, fewer lampposts for electric cars. Yes. Well, yes. that I don't know. Because how do you how do you know? You can't really tell from the outside. We talked about a friend of yours who had an, uh, a Tesla, I think it was, um, who complained about how much his electricity bill had it gone was, up. It was a, it was a neighbour who I don't know very well, and I got this story from another neighbour. Yes, ah. who complained it was using an immense amount of power and it was costing him a lot of money, and so he put panels on the roof. But that's the story I heard. But you know, maybe in Chinese whispers. But what I was wondering was, did it actually cost him more than he would normally spend on petrol? I don't know. Because you know, say you spend fifty know, but, pounds but a I, week on uh, yeah. on petrol. Yeah. If your electricity bill goes up by fifty pounds a week, then that's significant. But of course, it's just taking it from the petrol and putting it onto your well, electricity bill. But yeah, but then, thing. but then, lots of things are taking from one thing and giving the other. I mean, the actual manufacturer of uh, an electric car and the battery and everything is supposed to use up much more than you're going to save by switching to electric if you've got a, if you've already got a petrol car added to which of course they use rare earth minerals mostly controlled by the chinese that in many countries use appalling methods to actually extract them um ah, so, so swings and swings and roundabouts which or are manual which are manually powered of course Wait, <laughs> so that the, so we're all going to end up going back to the flintstones model of powering cars putting our feet through the floor <laughs> Uh, well, as you say, electric motors are powered by neodymium magnets, rare yes, earth magnets, say, yes. as they're sometimes called. You did say that. Um, and there are two problems with neodymium magnets, one being that 90%, 97% of them are made in China hmm. um, and uh, who suddenly jacked the price up. It's gone up 750% in the last decade. Wow. Um, the other problem with them is that uh, motors that have uh, magnets in have sliding contacts that sort of slide over the magnets. And of course, these contacts wear away. Well, there's a German uh, company called Mahler who are using powered coils instead of magnets. Mm. Uh, there's no contact, so there's no wear. And they are cheaper and more efficient than uh, the neodymium magnets. They reckon they'll be going into mass production within two and a half years. And mm. so we could see those in electric cars mm. fairly soon. And that would be altogether a good thing. It is. Yes, I can't get, think about going back to your smart bandage story. Though, wouldn't it be wonderful if they tested electric cars, first of all, on mice? That would I be an idea. I love the idea it? of mice driving around little, yes. little models of towns. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Or even, or even autonomous cars. Yes, that would be sweet. Yes. I'd, I'd, pay to see it. I'd pay Tesla. to see that. <laughs> well, I'll see if I can make it happen. Um, yes, well, I'm still putting my hopes thing. on hydrogen, which I'm convinced is far more sensible than electric cars, but never mind. Yes, but it's it's harder to store, harder to yeah, fuel. Yeah, you know, know. It's, but it is certainly better, but it, it's, hmm. you know, electricity seems to be the way at the moment. Yep. And so if you don't want your battery to be made out of aluminium ion, as mm. discussed, yes. how about making it out of concrete? Get away. Well, that's what I would have thought. But the Chalmers University of Technology in Sweden have come up with this idea of adding carbon fires, fibres to cement to increase its mm. conductivity and also increase its strength. And then they, they have carbon fibre meshes above and below mm. the concrete, which are coated in iron for the anode and nickel for the cathode. Mm. So the whole building becomes a giant battery. 
the energy produced is much less than a regular battery, but of course they can be absolutely vast. They can be the size oh, I of the see. Yes, sorry. Yes, remembered. I was think. I thought you were thinking about. I was thinking about cars again. I thought, well, a concrete battery might be a bit heavy. It um, would be a bit but, heavy. But yes, that. Well, that's that's really interesting. Though, of course, I suppose doing something like that does pose the problem that the technology might advance, and you've then got built-in obsolescence. Um. Yes, literally built in. Well, um, absolutely. I, mean, I, yes. I have a, I have a, a, a friend, not not unknown to this radio station, who who bought one of those German kit houses, which was all the rage um, uh, down in in Dorset, and it's absolutely lovely. Um, but they plumbed in a sound system, and they use uh, phono plugs. Ah, uh, you know, I mean, they still exist. I know, but you think obviously they did that, thinking, oh well, technology will never change. But this it was does. the thing in science fiction films, you always see all this infrastructure built into the houses. You know, they have a wall yep. which becomes television yes. or whatever. But of course, people like changing their kit. They don't yes. like to have you yeah. know all, everything built in. Yeah. So yes, I think I think you're all right there. Presumably you can you can get adapters you can plug into your phono. Sockets. Well, I'm sure I'm but, sure you can, but all the time you'd be thinking, well, I wish they didn't put phono sockets in, but something else. But yeah, uh, technology changes. But hey, if it didn't, there wouldn't be a need for this show. And on that bombshell, exactly. <laughs> and on that <laughs> bombshell, let's have one of these. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. You're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos on Share Radio. I'm Simon Rose. He's Steve Camplin. And I'm going to talk about deflagration. Are you? you know we what? allowed you, to? We are allowed to, because it's not what you think it is. Oh, okay. Deflagration is the technical term for high temperature burning of fuel with oxygen. In other words, it's what powers our cars and it's what powers jet engines. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a better way of powering uh, jet engines, which is not to use deflagration, but to use detonation. Explosive, another one. Yes, I'm not going to fly in that airline. Well, no, the thing is, the idea has been around for quite a long time, Mm. but actually making it work has been described by one researcher as like trying to put a bridle on a bomb. Right. A a very good way of putting it. But um, the University of Central Florida think they've cracked it, and they have created a rotating detonation engine, um, which uh, goes will enable the jets to go up to 13,000 miles an hour. In other words, what? 17 times the speed of sound. Blimey. Yes. Isn't that good? Yes. It's, Is the University um, of Central Florida renowned for its uh, advances in scientific um, development? Well, I hadn't come across it before. I thought they were more into alligators and swamps yes, but yes. Um, and the novels of Carl Hyacin. But, but there we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it used a system called a high enthalpy hypersonic reacting facility. Or <laughs> for short. Or exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, enthalpy is not a word I'd come across, but it turns out enthalpy is the sum of the system's internal energy and the product of its pressure and volume. Yes, reminding me why I hated, you know. doing, hated doing physics. Yes, okay. Exactly. Well, that sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, presumably, again, we're not going to be seeing it on a plane any time soon. Uh, no, and if we did, it would be gone so fast, you'd barely see it zooming overhead. Oh, that's true. 
I mean, presumably, once you start going at that sort of speed, there are all manner of other problems to be solved. Like, there are how do you stop it shaking exactly. to pieces? Yes. And there's just all people inside shaking to pieces, more to the point. Yes. I mean, given, yes. G- given that now that Concorde doesn't exist, there are no passenger jets that actually fly uh, faster than the speed of sound. Uh, 17 times faster is pretty extraordinary. It is really pretty extraordinary, isn't it? Yes. I mean, and all frankly, to do with these... boarding the plane would take longer than the flight. <laughs> yes, it probably would. <laughs> Barely time to get through your in-flight meals. Yes, absolutely. And they'd have to replace the in-flight movie, in-flight movies with with shorts, wouldn't they? Little yeah. Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're not allowed Tom and Jerry these days, I'm afraid. Oh, are you not? Oh no. Why is it racist? It's, uh, is it's it everything. It's everythingist. Is it? If you just think back, oh yes, you try finding Tom and Jer- Jerry. I think some of them have been badderized, but um, yeah, I'm afraid so. It's gone the way of all things. So what ah. next? Well, let us. I think it's time for our crowdfunding time of the week, don't you? Well, in that case, you want one of these. Yes, I do. Our modern fanfare. And this is an item called the Olive Pro. And it's uh, Bluetooth, Bluetooth earbuds. And of course, the world mm-hmm. isn't short of new Bluetooth earbuds. Uh, we mm-hmm. talk about them quite a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. And you can get them from anything from you know a tenner up to £250 if you want the latest Apple ones. Right. This is Bluetooth earbuds with a difference because these Bluetooth earbuds are also hearing aids. Oh. Ah, indeed. Hearing aids with uh, voice enhancement and noise reduction. And, of course, they also can play your music and take phone calls for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a rather good idea because uh, hearing aids... Well, hearing aids these days are very discreet items, whereas Bluetooth earbuds, frankly, aren't. And if you were talking to someone who was hard of hearing, who knew was hard of hearing... You'd be, you'd be tempted to shout, take the earbuds out of your ears. Yes, you might true. hear what I'm saying. That is true. That is true. But of course, you'd, you'd need the hearing aid if you spent too much time using earbuds to play music at very high levels. Exactly. What a complicated world we live in. Anyway, they're called the Olive Pro. They are on Indiegogo. And they $199, which is a little under £150, depending on hmm. the exchange rate you get. Um, so far, they've raised £1.5 million for this this uh, project so obviously some people think it's a rather good idea i think it's a rather good idea yeah have you solved the problem of what to do if you an earbud comes out and you can't find it Uh, (laughs) yes well you go and buy another one yeah but you have to buy in pairs don't you it's like you do i got socks but more expensive Mm -hmm. and he lost one of them and I thought, well, I'll buy, I'll buy the same again. It's only about 25 quid. Mm. And then you've got not only a spare case to put them in, a charging case, mm. but a spare earbud case to lose the other one. You could never get the same one twice. Oh, you I've had that buy problem. buy the same thing, and it's gone. Yes. yes. They, even, they seem to have the same model, but they look different, and they, you can't put the bud in, one, in the old charging case and expect it to work. Exactly. Exactly. Why do they tinker with these things when they work really well? Yes, I haven't. Not all of them have worked well, in my experience. But perhaps I didn't go for the twenty-five pounds one. Perhaps I went for the ten-pound ones. Ah, well, the twenty-five pound ones are pretty good. I could recommend. Well, I could okay. recommend the ones you could no longer get. <laughs> well, they perhaps, if I, oh. perhaps if I want to listen in only one ear, I can. I can bite off you. No, he's lost the other one now as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> can I suggest you get him the equivalent of the uh, the wool that used to stretch between pairs of mittens when you were <laughs> no, at school? A good idea. <laughs> yes, earbuds. That uh, well, actually, my head, my sort of headphony things of choice for when I garden are ones that have a sort of 
wire that goes behind the ear because mm. that way if I'm gardening and one falls out, I don't dig it in with the turnips. Not that I'm How do you turnips. hear Mr. Amazon at the door if you're wearing these ear things where you're gardening? Uh, I don't, actually. No. Oh. So you missed deliveries? Yes, but if I'm out the back of the house gardening, I probably wouldn't hear him anyway. Oh, no, possibly. And Amazon are quite good. They will tell you roughly sometimes when something is going to arrive and even send no, you an email. No, they won't. They'll, they'll tell you which day. Oh, no, and Amazon, I'm, even sometimes, I watch the little um, dot showing me where the van driver is. Hmm, you? Yes. It's good. What, your, Amazon? Dri your driver is three three stops away, it will sometimes say. Yes. Oh, they don't yeah, tell you me should, things like that. You should, if you click track my package, they will. They don't do it for everything. I haven't quite worked out why. But, yes, it's hmm. quite good because if you know the driver's only two or three stops away and it shows you he's in the next street, then chances are it's not worth going out into the back garden and digging over your turnips. Yes. And when it does come to your door, you should ask if he wants to use your toilet because, as we know, it's either yes. that or a plastic bottle. Well, I have I have actually offered um, with um, uh, both the male and female driver who drive for one courier company because I know them incredibly well. Um, and the things my son buys always seem to come from, from them. I have offered in the past, but they've got arrangements with various places um, to do that, including the ah. one of the local storage companies, you know, the big yellow ah. something or other. Ah. Um, so yes, they've they've thought of that. Ah, at last. Yeah. Oh, well, let us I'll tell you what. On. Oh, talking of technology, which we were, we, we were. had our road. <laughs> we had our road surfaced this week. It was absolutely fascinating. Or resurfaced. We had had got a surface before, but apart from that, you could see these sort of wonderful bricks at the edge of the gutter that they'd obviously put tarmac on years before but that was briefly sort of visible but not much like these villages underneath reservoirs that occasionally in yes, dry spells yeah. come come free um but it was extraordinary there was this machine with two sets of caterpillar tracks going down the road with a lorry in front of it and this conveyor belt from this machine would just pour the former asphalt or tarmac or whatever it actually is which are sort of coming in extraordinary quantities into these lorries and they're driving on another lorry to replace it i said to the guys god amazing what on earth they do before these machines he said they've used the same sort of machines for 50 years he said they've hardly changed uh, but, it, but it was a wonder to behold and then an extraordinary rainstorm we had earlier in the week to see the steam coming off the road as the hot um asphalt yes was in the rain it was extraordinary and all have you the... got a bus stop on your road no oh that's a shame why because if you had i would urge you to run outside and watch the people painting the sign on the road that says bus stop what to see if they got it back to front no because they why would they get it back to front <laughs> i don't know because they do it freehand oh they don't need to close templates they just really freehand paint it yes that must be pretty impressive. There's really it nothing, is. no template at all. No. No, I, they didn't. I, I will uh, find your YouTube video of doing just Oh, yes, that. please it's do. fascinating to watch. No, they did lots of lines in the road, but I think actually those, they were, they did mark those out beforehand. And they gave us some yellow lines that we never had before. That was all very oh. exciting. You know, you've got to make your entertainment where you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> Talking so, of roads, what now? we're okay. going to move on to potholes. Oh, and the I... JCB Pothole Pro is a pro, get it? It's a pro pothole machine. Yes, we and don't need one cut, of those now. It will cut, crop, clean, and clean potholes in eight minutes. Six Ooh. times as fast as um, real people would do it. Isn't that good? Mm. And well, they're it rolling is good. it out. It is good if you're sooner. not one of those people, yes. Well, suppose, though, you are... As one of those people like us who complains about potholes, how do you force your local council 
to repair the potholes. I remember well, reading a story about somebody put, was putting flowers in them. Something, something weird yeah. like that. Well, Jeff Upson in New Zealand had a better idea. Right. He painted penises around them. <laughs> he, did, he did about a hundred of them, and the mm. council fixed them immediately. That's fast. Oh, <laughs> now I'm sorry they've redone our road because we had some terrible potholes. Uh, but I didn't know about the painting of the penis. Mind, I'm not very good at art. Well, I don't think you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that is brilliant? absolutely glorious. It is glorious. Much like that wonderful one of the London bridges. Somebody's discovered that when the sun's at a certain angle, it look, the shadow of the uh, design in the metalwork on the pavement looks as if there are penises the whole way down. Have you seen oh, that before? No, I haven't oh, seen that. Okay, you, you send me yours. I'll send you mine, as it were. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> it, that's it for this edition of Gadgets and Gizmos. You've learned far more than you need to this week. Uh, but we'll be back with more at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.